Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for being here today. Man, it is good to be back in the house of the Lord again, isn't it? It is good. I was reminded just this morning about what it was like for those eight weeks that we didn't meet at all. You know, that was, that was tough. As a pastor, it was really hard to, to not be able to see you all and, and meet together. Um, but even just as a Christian, it was hard to maintain my spiritual fervor without that weekly spiritual boost. So I'm glad that we are able to meet together again. But just a reminder, guys, um, this coronavirus thing is real. As we know, we've had several people in our church who have gotten it. And um, uh, thank God, right now, I'm not aware of anyone in our church that has the coronavirus. So that's a wonderful thing. Now, in order to maintain that, as a reminder, no handshakes, right? No handshakes, no hugs. You know, we got to keep those to uh, not happening. We got to keep that from not happening. And it's easy to get lax because we haven't had any cases here in a while. So it's like, oh, we're... We're safe. Let's go ahead and shake hands. It's like, no, you don't. Now, if you do accidentally, I've done that. I'm like, oh, shake his hand. I just go over and just do that whole thing with my hands real quick. You know, it's, it's, it all works out. It all works out. Um, after service, uh, even though it's raining outside, I'm going to ask you guys to take your conversations out into the parking lot so that we can reset the room and, and re-clean everything. So I uh, appreciate that. Now, if you're not feeling well or you haven't if you know someone who's not feeling well, been around someone, again, just a reminder, don't come to church. Uh, maybe someone's watching online and you're not feeling well. Um, thank you, first of all, for, for staying home, but we'll be praying that you feel better. If you are sick or you know someone who's sick, let me know so we can be praying for you as well. We'd appreciate that. Now, as for face masks, um, as you know, we do not require you to wear a face mask to come into the church. They are welcome. Here, we have free uh, disposable face masks out in the atrium. You can pick those up on your way in. Um, but this week, our governor had an executive order, statewide uh, face mask mandate, uh, that went into effect on Monday. But he did have an exception for churches, again. Uh, and I wanted to read that to you. It says, this is the exception for anyone... Any person attending or engaging in a religious service, as he or she must already maintain six feet of social distancing from another person not in the same household. So we are exempt from having to wear face masks in the state of Indiana, um, but we do need to keep our six feet of social distancing, which is why our chairs are spread out like this. Um, so as we continue that, uh, hopefully we will continue to stay coronavirus-free here at Lighthouse, and then we will continue to be able to meet every week. So if you have any questions or concerns about any of that, please contact me uh, this next week. So today we are continuing our summer series in the book of James called Life Hacks, Practical Advice from the Book of James. And uh, I'm going to invite Tony Nenga to come up here. He's, he is going to bring the first part of this message. So if you would, make him feel welcome. Good morning. Let's get some more energy. Good morning. Good morning. Sorry, Matt, I, I didn't do that earlier, so. 
Um, so over the last few weeks, we've started with a practical life hack um, before the messages. So I've got one for you this morning. Who knows what this is? It's going to be up on the screen. Who knows what that is? I can't hear you guys. Bread what? Clip. Good. Bread clip. What are bread clips used for? I guess everyone's talking at once. <laughs> what are they used for? For bread. Okay. Right. Wrong. That's not what they're used for. I've got a, a good life hack for you this morning. Have you ever broken a slipper? Have you seen this? So once this breaks, you put it back in. Show you how it's done. You put your bread clip right there at the end. If it'll stick. Ta-da. It fell, so don't. You know, what I noticed as I was putting that together was a lot of the, um, the flip-flops have thinner. So as long as your, your strap is a little thicker, it'll, it'll work. So, so we'll keep it. <laughs> Title of today's message is Life Hacks. Navigating the Battles Within and Around Us. And we're going to spend some time in James chapter 4. We spent a few weeks in the book of James. And so if you would turn there with me, James chapter 4, starting in verse 1, give you a little background. Uh, James is talking to the early Jewish Christians here. and You can tell in the tone of the chapter how he starts off that they were not doing very well. He's just trying to reel them back in. So we'll start at verse 1. It says... What causes fights and quarrels among you? King James Version says, What causes fights and wars among you? And don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask God, you do not receive because you ask God with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. We're going to pause there for a second. I'm going to spend some time on verse 1, where James is asking, what causes these fights and quarrels? What causes these fights and wars among us? As I was prepping for this, I um, started thinking about some of the fights that I've had um, in my lifetime, and my wife wouldn't let me share any of our of our personal fights. I think, I think some of those would have been good. You would have liked them, but... <laughs> so I started to go a little further, past relationships with friends and coworkers and uh, employees, that kind of thing, and one sticks out more than the rest, and um, this guy had a really strong personality. And if you guys know me, I'm kind of laid back, but I do have a strong personality under there. And, you know, it was over. I can't even tell you what it was over now because it was... Shouldn't have been in that fight, right? But he starts going, I start going, we're going back and forth and back and forth just because I wanted to show him, you know, hey, you got a strong personality? I can beat you on this. Also, you work for me, so you have to listen to me, right? So I had to, I wanted to kind of show that dominance through that. And as I was thinking back at it now, I'm like, why did I even get involved in that? What was my true motive in getting into that altercation? 
was I trying to be helpful? And the answer is right there in James. James asks us, don't they come from your desires to battle that are within you? Well, here's the bottom line. It was all about me. My desire to be right made me get into that discussion or that altercation because I wanted to show them that I was right and it was all about me. I did not care who I was going to hurt in that process. And that's what that bottom line was. Now think about that for a second. When was the last time something like that happened to you? Be honest with yourself. When you get into fights, could it have been avoided? And I heard a yes. And was it all about you? And were you being helpful? Have you been on social media to either start a fight or engage in a fight because it was all about you? We start to look at what's been going on the last few months. It's kind of been a whole corona season where it started off with the social injustice and then now it's like the mask and no mask, and then there's just so much in between that we are fighting about and we are not, we're just, we're going head to head on. Are we engaging in those debates with the right motives? We live in a time where people don't just sit anymore. They don't sit with opposing views just to understand each other or to listen to each other. This is a quote that I remember from when we had our premarital counseling. It said, we often listen to respond instead of listening to understand. Is this you? Do you often find yourself starting an argument with your own views and motives just so you can be right? I know I've done that before. So here's what you can write down if you find yourself in that position, your life hack number one is when you fight, check your motive. When you fight, check your motive. We're going to pick back up at verse four. It says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? And here in verse 4, James is simply saying, if you make yourself a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So let's break that down a little bit. What does being a friend of the world actually mean? Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I've mentioned this on stage before. I'm a, I'm a huge tech guy. I love technology. I love when uh, Apple has their nerd fests once a year, and I'm tuning in, and I want to see what's going on, what, what new products are coming out. I like getting the phone and unboxing it and the whole experience and turning it on and seeing what, what's new. What's new in this one? 
for some of you, it may be something else. It may be you love your cars or you love, I don't know, insert your thing there, right? When does the love of those things become a problem? Is James saying that if we like technology or if we like those cars or whatever our thing might be, is he saying that we're not a friend of God if we love those things? If you look at Exodus 20, verse 5, it answers that question. It says, You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. So when we start to worship those things, when we start to put those things above God, that's when it becomes a problem. So Scripture is pretty clear on this. When we start putting our things over God, then we become an enemy to God, for we cannot serve two masters. So here's your second life hack. It's important to love God more than I love my stuff. important to love God more than I love my stuff. So how do we practically do that? I'll give you two ways to love God more than my stuff. Two simple ways, but they can go a long way. The first would be spend more time with God. Spend more time with God. Now for me, it's going to be put my technology away, put my phone away, and intentionally put that time aside to be spent with God. For you, it might look different based on what your thing is. Number two is lower my love for things. Lower my love for things. One that I always think of on this is, um, you've met these guys that have these uh, 1940s whatever car that's wrapped in, you know, Ram wrap because they don't want any fingerprints on it, right? They value that car or that truck or that whatever it is at such a high level. The value is so much. And James was telling us that we need to lower the value of that and put God in that place. We're going to move on to a bit of a different topic here. In verse 6, it says, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. James is saying, if you're a prideful person, and you stay on that path, God will oppose you. But there's always repentance. And with that repentance comes humbleness, and God shows favor to the humble. Jump down to verse 10 in James 4. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now, I didn't think I was a prideful person until I started reading the Webster's Dictionary version of what pride is. I'll read that to you. It says, a feeling or deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements, the achievements of those with whom one is closely associated, or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. Now, I feel pretty good about what I achieve and what people think of me. Even though I may not gloat about it or be extreme about it, James tells us here that God lifts those up who are humble. 
I don't know about you, but I want to be lifted up. Proverbs 16 says, pride goes before destruction. Probably also heard it said that pride comes before the fall. Just remember the next time you feel prideful that God shows favor to the humble. Now, how can we be humble? Is there anything that we can do to be less prideful? I know that there's things that I can still be working on. I've heard this, this one's a real powerful quote. Humble yourself before God does. How powerful is that? I don't know about you, but I'd rather beat God to the punch when it comes to the humbling part, right? So your life hack for the third point is God shows favor to the humble. God shows favor to the humble. And I'm going to humbly invite Pastor Clint up to walk us through the next section. Thanks, Tony. All right, so um, I mean, I'll tell you, I like going through Scripture verse by verse, uh, but it's also challenging because it's all over the place. So we're hoping to keep you guys with us as we go through this. Um, I got two more life hacks for you. So starting in verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. All right, so... Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This verse is about spiritual warfare. Okay, so we have a spiritual enemy, okay, called the devil. And he has a bunch of minions called demons. And they really are out there. And here, here's a question. What do you think they're doing? Do you think they're just sitting around on their hands, you know, saying hi to people as you walk by. No, they are in a battle. They are fighting. And you know who their number one enemy is? It's God. You know who the number two enemy is? That's us, okay? They can't win against God, so they are attacking us. So there is a battle that is going on all around us. And they're constantly plotting and scheming against each and every one of us. Now, Scripture says, resist the devil and he will what? He will flee. And this is true, but we can't forget about the first part of that verse. It says we have to submit ourselves to God, right? It says we need to submit ourselves to God. So Satan currently has dominion over um, the world and all of his demons. God has dominion, has power over Satan and all of his demons. When we submit ourselves to God, we inherit God's authority. Let me say that again. When we submit ourselves to God, we inherit God's authority over Satan and all of his demons. Now, let me give you an example. So when a new police academy cadet goes into training, they, they go through all of the training, they run all the miles, they, they learn how to shoot their guns, all those kinds of things. But just because they have been in training does not mean that they are a police officer, correct? doesn't mean that they have authority. They've just been trained. 
It's when they go through the swearing-in ceremony that they become an actual police officer, and it's they, they actually swear to follow and uphold the Constitution. That's part of what they say. And it's then and only then that they inherit the authority of the department's jurisdiction, which is either you know the city, the county, or the state. Now, it's just like that for us. When we submit our lives to God, we inherit God's authority. And God has a lot of authority, doesn't he? He has authority over everything. So when we submit to him, we inherit that authority. This means that when God resists Satan, he flees. When we submit ourselves to God, we inherit his authority. So when we resist the devil, he will flee from us. He will. 1 John 4, 4 says this. You dear, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in us is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is greater than the one who is in the world, which is Satan and all of his demons. So we can have this authority when we submit ourselves to God. We inherit it. But we can have all of this authority and still not use it. And I would say this is the case for many Christians today is that they have the authority to resist the devil, but they never do it. If you think back to middle school, high school, elementary school, did you ever have that one teacher who let the class get away with everything? I had that one teacher. His name was Mr. Guyton. And, uh, and I remember Mr. Guyton because the class would be just going crazy, just running around, throwing paper wads, all that kind of stuff. And he would just go, <sighs> he'd have just a big sigh. <laughs> That's all he would do. And it wasn't a very good learning environment. And then I remember in fourth grade, I had Mr. Ingle. Mr. Ingle had a long stick, you know, a, a yardstick, and he would just slap that stick on the desk. And man, we would straighten up. And honestly, it was, my, it was my math and science class, and it was a great learning environment. Everybody, we learned a lot. We had a lot of fun. There was a lot of order instead of chaos. So here's the question. What was the difference between Mr. Guyton and Mr. Engel? They both had the same training, right? They went to get their degree in education. They, uh, they had the same authority. They were teachers at Centerville School, but one exercised that authority that they had, and one did not. And that's the same for us. We can have this authority over the enemy and not exercise it, and we will have chaos. Just recently, my wife, Rose, had a nightmare, and uh, it's like the second one in the last couple of weeks. And she asked me, she said, so have you been praying around the house? Uh, no, I haven't. She's like, huh, you might want to start doing that again. Because it just take you back many, many years ago, our kids would have nightmares uh, almost every night. And I just got mad at the enemy. And I started marching around our house, taking authority, exercising the authority that I have, resisting the devil and telling him and his demons to flee praying Psalm 91, the peace of God, on our home every night. And guess what happened? The nightmares went away. And so 
The kids have grown up. We only have one at home right now. And so I've kind of slacked off on going out and just walking around and exercising that authority. And so what's happening? Rose, my wife, has had a couple of nightmares. I had one the other day, other night as well. And uh, I have this authority, but I haven't been exercising it. We have the authority. When we submit ourselves to God, when we resist the devil, man, he will flee. Guys, we don't have to be harassed by the devil, but we live in a culture right now that is being harassed by the devil, don't we? Oh my goodness. So let's be honest. Right now, the devil's having a field day in our culture, especially in America and, of course, around the world. I've seen so much fear. I've seen more fear in the last four months than I've seen in years. I've seen so much division. Man, within the church, I've seen so much division within the church. I've seen so much anger and hatred in our culture. Guys, this has only been going on for like four or five months, but it seems like a lifetime ago since we've had peace in our country. Many, many people have stopped going to church. Many churches, you know, haven't opened up their doors, but they've offered online opportunities. But uh, statistics say, a recent Barna research says that one in three people that were going to church before this epidemic are not going to church or watching church online. So a third of the church has pulled out. Isn't that crazy? People have stopped praying. They've stopped reading their Bibles. And instead, what have we had? We've had a steady diet of hate and division from news and social media. Guys, it's time for this to end, right? It's time for this to end. And we as a church in this community, in this area, have authority to take a stand. And we certainly have authority to take a stand in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our community. So we have this authority, but we need to use it. So how do we do this? We quote scripture. We quote scripture. And by the way, we, we quote the scripture and we take a stand against the enemy. Many of us are used to praying to God. I mean, we're used to doing that. But we need to declare the truths of scripture against the enemy around us. That's how we take authority over the enemy. That's how we resist the devil. That's how we do it. So here's your life hack number four. As God's children, we have the authority to tell Satan where to go. Let's tell Satan where to go. Striper was this 80s Christian band. They had an album called To Hell with the Devil. Google it later. You'll love it. You'll love it. There was some theology there. <laughs> Way ahead of their time. So this week in your prayer time, don't just pray to God. Make declarations against the enemy. Make statements. Resist the enemy. Say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So greater is God in me than, than you, Satan. Scripture says, when I resist you, you must flee. I am resisting you right now in the name of Jesus. And really, declare this over yourself and over your family. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-control. And declare it. 
declare it. And that, man, that, that, that cloud of oppression that we feel so often, it'll, it'll dissipate. It'll dissipate. And I feel it dissipating right now as I'm just saying those scriptures. Let's take captive all of our thoughts and command them to be subject to Jesus Christ. Don't let the enemy have a foothold in our minds. Let's state it. Don't let the enemy win this battle around us or within us. All right, I'm going to read two more verses. Verses 8 and 9. I think these are important for today too. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. So I love the first part of the verse. I think that we, many of us have heard that part of the verse and, and we love that part. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to us. But again, there's, there's verses around it that we got to look at. You know, James goes on to say, he says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. God wants to be with us. He's relational. He wants to be around us. He wants to be in community with us. But sin can separate us from God. Sin can separate us from God. Unconfessed sin. So the second part of this verse is talking about our sin. Saying, purify your hearts. Or saying, I'm sorry. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So he's telling us to confess our sins and repent of our sins. That's what he's saying. That's what the second part of the verse is. We can't just wash our sins away, right? We, we can't do that, but Jesus can. In fact, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us, forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's how we have a purified heart. That's how we have clean hands. It's through confession and repentance. Now, confession is stating that we did something wrong, right? I mean, there can be a confession legally. Someone can, can confess to murder, but that doesn't make them sorry for it, right? I mean, just because you confess that you sinned doesn't mean that you're sorry for it. Repentance is sorry, is being sorry for our sin. So the two go hand in hand. And when we confess our sins and we repent of our sins and we're sorrowful for our sins, well, our hands are clean. Our hearts are purified. And we are right standing and we can draw near to God. And guess what God does? He draws near to us. And we are in right standing with our Heavenly Father. Hebrews 10.22 says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. See, God wants to be near to us. That's his desire. And sin separates us from our heavenly, holy Father. So it's in our court. We need to confess. We need to repent of our sins, and as we draw near to God, he draws near to us. We can be in community with him. He does the part of forgiving. He does the hard part. <laughs> he, 
He actually washes us clean. He does that part. Our part is really pretty easy. We just need to acknowledge that we're sinners, that we did something wrong, and we need to repent of it. Now, if you find yourself confessing and repenting of the same sin over and over again, it's like this habitual sin. There's a scripture that says, confess your sin one to another so that you may be healed. So there is, there is a time for confession and repentance to God, and there is a time for confession to someone around us, to a, a brother or sister in Christ. Because when we confess to another person, see, that brings in more power into our healing. Scripture says we'll be healed. But it goes back to what Tony said earlier about pride. <laughs> what keeps us from repenting of our sin to our brother or sister? Many times it's our pride, right? And we don't want our pride to keep us from being in community with our Heavenly Father. All right, life hack number five is God is always near to the repentant heart. God is always near to the repentant heart. And I'm going to read one more verse. Tony already read it. He stole it from me, that guy. Humble, verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. It went along with the first part. So we're not going to cover it today, but we're going to pick up next week on verse 11. But I'm going to invite Tony to come back up here. He's going to lead us in a time of prayer. You ever go to church and you feel like you went to school that day? You, you just have so much. <laughs> I think um, the end goal is for us to repent and get closer to God. James started off with talking about our pride and being humble and moves to submitting ourselves to God, resisting the devil. All that leads us to drawing closer to God so he can draw closer to us. Pastor Clint said if, said, if you're being harassed by the devil, if you're being harassed by the devil, you have the power to stop that. Submitting yourself to God will bring you closer to God. So this morning, if if you are in any of those stages, if you are in the pride stage and need to move to the submission stage, 
or you just want to declare this morning that, hey, Lord, I am going to draw closer to you because I need you in my life. I've been close to you before. I'm not close to you now, but I need you now more than ever. That's you this morning. We'll just ask that you stand where you are. We're going to pray specifically for that. That as we declare that, God, we are intentionally going to draw closer to you because we need you. If that's you, you can stand. Thank you for standing. that are standing, everyone else just reach your arm out to somebody. We're going to go ahead and pray this morning. Father, we invite you into this place. We invite your Holy Spirit, God. We declare this morning that we're all in for you. We are submitting to you, God. We are resisting the devil from this moment forward. We are drawing closer to you intentionally this morning, and God, we ask that you may meet us where we are. We ask for you to renew us this morning. Renew us this morning. If there's any harassment going on from the devil, God, we, we pray against that spirit. The devil is not welcome here. He's not welcome in our lives. We declare that this morning, God. We are drawing closer to you. We are drawing closer to you. And as we confess, God, we ask that as we confess and repent, that that may be the beginning of something new that we may never look back. things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us this morning. We have a prayer team. If you have anything that you need prayer for, just stay where you're at. Uh, one of the prayer team members will come out to you and pray with you about that. We will see you next week. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.